And welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Mann. But no Simon Hughes today. Simon is away today, but I've got a very able replacement. And it is Prakash Wakanka, Indian commentator, who joins me from India. And we'll hear from Prakash in just a moment. This podcast brought to you in association with TNT Sports, who are the exclusive rights holders for this India-England series. And what a series it has been so far. Where is this game going? Two days left. England are 67 for one. They need 399 to win this test match. I'll give you the context uh, for that run chase in just a moment. But let's get the thoughts of uh, Prakash. Now, Prakash, we had a bit of um, communication yesterday evening. And I said, game over. And you said, absolutely not game over. So, so where is it after three days, Prakash? Well, I think it's uh, it's certainly moved a little bit closer to India, I'd say. Simon, I mean, this morning when India started batting, uh, for a while there, it looked like uh, what I said last night might be actually truer than otherwise. Uh, as, as Jimmy Anderson knocked over the first two wickets and we felt that the ball was doing a bit. But then I think one of the rare occasions where I've seen uh, ben Stokes maybe just let the game drift a little bit with the twin spin and allowed uh, Ayer and, and uh, Gill. And look, Shubman Gill must have had something special last night because he had more than a share of luck, more than one occasion. Uh, but certainly right now as it stands, uh, with one wicket down, you know, the, the difference, I think, Simon, is that this England team, is not like any other I've seen before. You and I have done enough test matches in India, India versus England. But this side, you just feel that almost anything is possible. It's not going to be easy, but almost anything is really possible. Yeah, I think that, that I think that's the feeling sort of here as well. That you know, if if any team can do this, it's this mm. England team. But it's going to be such a a difficult task uh, for them. Uh, let's just put it in context. It would be England's highest ever run chase. They, they, but their highest ever run chase uh, only came a couple of test matches ago against India when they took down 378 at Edgbaston. Very different circumstances and a, a different pitch. It would be the fifth highest successful run chase in test match history. The highest score chasing in India to win a test match is 387. Another famous game, a game I was at in Chennai when Sachin Tendulkar made 100 after England went back after the Mumbai bombing. So, you know, history, cricket logic, you know, is it totally against England in this match? And it's in- actually interesting, Prakash, to say to hear you say it's with India because normally you're quite pessimistic about India's chances. So if you if you say the game is with India, then I think that's a pretty good indication. Of, of where things are after this third day is another you know, fascinating day's play. Let's go back to Shubman Gill then. I mean, India have got problems in this at the moment because they've got so many players missing, but three players have stepped up in this test match. Jaiswal, absolutely magnificent in the first innings. Jasprit Bumrah and Shubman Gill, who's a player of so much promise, he hasn't really delivered, uh, but today he did. And there was that moment 
when he was given out and he overturned it, just a, a feather of an edge. I actually didn't see it. And when I, you know, when I was watching, I thought, oh, that's out. And I, I'm, he didn't, I don't think he, re, he reviewed it straight away either. It took him yeah. a little bit of time just to come down the pitch and, and review it. And then Jimmy Anderson had another shout against him. It was given not out. That was umpire's call. It was a straight enough ball, but it, and it was hitting the top of middle stump, but it was given not out. But he, he played so well after that. I mean, tell us a bit about him, uh, Prakash. Because, I mean, he is the, he's the prince of Indian cricket. There's King Kohli and there's Shubman Gilby. He hasn't quite delivered in Test Match cricket. Yes, uh, I mean, with no, no pun intended and not intending to hurt anyone's sentiments, uh, certainly the Prince has had a, a fairly rough period of it, uh, not dissimilar to some other royals around the world that we've heard of. But the reality is that Shubman Gill has struggled. Last 11 innings, if memory serves me right, he's averaged about 18 or 19. Uh, this innings too, if either of those two calls, and we know both could have gone against him in the end, uh, that would have been the end of him and I suspect that he would have really been along with Shreyas Iyer under the pump to even retain his place for the next test match particularly if uh, both Rahul and uh, and uh, Kohli were available but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Shubman Gill I think has had an absolute dream 2023 particularly in white ball cricket but I think in the red ball game as we've seen I almost get the feeling Simon I don't know how you see it that in Indian conditions, he finds red ball cricket harder than he does in overseas conditions, where the ball probably gets onto the bat, he gets a chance to play those cross-bat strokes of his on either side of the wicket, uh, he likes the ball coming on, he's more fluent, more easy, whereas in India, you have to work on it, even with spinners who may be inexperienced, and we've seen in, this, uh, in the four innings that he's batted so far, that except this one, He's actually struggled quite a bit. So I think Shubman Gill will be mighty, mighty relieved. Rahul Dravid, who's very fond of him, would also be very relieved, of course. But India's middle order problems continue, not in the least because of the kind of injuries they've had and with Kohli's absence. So they will need to uh, figure out what they're going to do come Rajkot. One thing that struck me, you know, watching this series and and the last series a little bit as well, where you know India didn't score that many runs, England scored many fewer, is that actually these England in, India series of late or matches of late have been played on much trickier pitches for mm. the batters. That before you know, they they play them on traditional Indian pitches and the batters would would cash in. So actually, in a way. And I don't know whether it's true from Grand Trophy games as well, which I presume are played on reasonably flat pitches. And sometimes we see the scores and they're sort of monster mm. scores. So mm. actually, the players are being asked to play on pitches that perhaps they're not quite used to playing on. You know, they, you, you know, your first day pitch might effectively be a, a you know, a third day pitch if you if you see what I mean. Is is that fair? Is that a reasonable I, analysis from a distance? Yeah, I think I think that's a fair analysis. But also, I think what is even more important, Simon, is if you look back over the first class appearances at home in the Ranji Trophy or other first-class tournaments, hardly anyone from the Indian Test team or the Indian top 20 players actually gets to play or chooses to play. Uh, so as a result of that, they're actually not playing that much cricket on Indian conditions in domestic cricket. They're essentially playing international games or they're playing the T20 formats. Now, there's more IPL uh, and, and the 20-over domestic tournament that these players participate in than they do in four-day games in Ranji Trophy, which is why I think the quality of Indian batsmanship against spin in Indian conditions has actually dropped over the years. 
Uh, I think the last series where everyone was COVID impacted and all that, I think Simon was a bit of an uh, aberration, I'd like to hope and believe. These pitches so far, these two test matches, have been a damn sight better. They've produced more enthralling cricket. Uh, and let's hope that that's the trend that continues because that's what you want to see. You do want to see a contest. But to your specific question, fair analysis, not enough domestic cricket being played by the Indian uh, top batsmen. Yeah, I think this pitch in Visa Kapatnam actually has been an excellent cricket pitch. There's, so, there's something for everyone. I mean, you can score, obviously, but there's something for the for the bowlers, the spinners. There's some reverse swing. There's a bit of uneven bounce now as well. So the, the pace bowlers you know, might enjoy themselves in the fourth innings of this test match. I mean, England basically have to make India's first innings score in the fourth innings of a game. And it's definitely devilishly difficult to, to do that normally in, in you know, normal circumstances, especially in India. I think you know, the pitch has worn a bit. There is a bit more there. Uh, for the bowlers, I mean England done actually pretty well to get to 67 for one after 14 overs at the the close of play. England managed to just work their way through uh, India's uh, batting today. Uh, Shubman Gill eventually going through to a hundred. He was out reverse sweeping. What's going on, uh, Prakash? <laughs> An Indian player reverse sweeping. I mean, generally speaking, India India batters don't actually sweep that much, do no, they? But, no, but no. Gill out reverse sweeping. Yes, absolutely. But if you looked at uh, some of the images that came through from the nets uh, after the first test match, many of them were trying uh, all kinds, reverse scoops, reverse sweeps. So maybe it's the, it's the baseball effect, which is kind of getting a bit infectious uh, to the other dressing room as well. But on a more serious note, I think it's not that Indian batters don't play the reverse sweep. They have in the past, I suppose, Simon trusted their footwork against spinners. They've believed in coming down the pitch. They've been decisive forward or back. But what we've seen both against Australia, when Australia toured India recently and now England, the Indian batters, particularly the ones uh, other than, let's say, Virat and, and, and a very different Rohit Sharma, we'll talk about him later, but haven't really used their feet. And, and that is, I think, the problem that they're having, which is why they're having to look at alternate ways uh, of, of batting. But uh, some of the wickets that India have thrown away, both test matches so far, uh, really, I mean, if, if uh, this was an old-fashioned school team, there'd be a fair few sort of doing, doing punishments that they wouldn't like. Mind you, you know, people over here you know, say the same thing as about England's batting, have been saying about it, you know, because of the way they've been playing in the last couple of years. But I think now everyone's at the stage, well, that's, you know, it, that is sort of the way they play. You know, Zach Crawley's dismissal in the first innings, you know, taken mm. in isolation, mm. you think, oh, what on earth has he done? But you have to see the context of, of the innings and, you know, also the context of how England are, are playing at the moment. So you just go, OK, that, that's fair enough. You know, it, it, it didn't look a great shot, but you, you know exactly what he was trying to do. And it was, you know, part of the, of the team uh, mentality, uh, the team strategy. Just going back to the start of the day's play, we, we should just uh, focus on Jimmy Anderson again. Uh, Bumrah has been excellent in this Test match. Bowled a you know match-winning spell uh, yesterday, and Anderson threatened to do it uh, today. He got rid of Rohit, an absolute beauty that just left him after one that came back in, and then he induced a, an edge from uh, Jaiswal out to second slip. I don't know, how, how is Jimmy Anderson seen in India. I mean, it's, it's almost it's still almost hard to believe that he's he's still going at 41 and still. Producing, uh, he's taken what five wickets in the match already. He's closing yeah. in on on seven hundred. Look, I mean, I think there would be hardly anyone who understands this cricket and enjoys cricket who would not be standing up and applauding Jimmy Anderson. Uh, I feel from the outside, not being at the ground, I just feel Simon that he's uh, so much more 
what should I say? I, I don't think he's gentle in the gentle sense, but I think he's now sort of almost risen above the pettiness of sledging and all the other stuff that often was associated with Jimmy Anderson. He has his skill. I think he knows he's got nothing to prove to anyone. He seems relaxed and yet is able to produce absolutely magical spells with what appears from the outside as minimal effort. So he's, he's, uh, he's running sort of on a, on a Rolls-Royce battery almost, uh, silent car, no, no fumes, no, no gasoline, nothing of the kind, just running in and, and delivering. And I think the dismissal of Rohit Sharma and that delivery uh, was very similar, except that it was to a left-hander, to the one that uh, Bumrah bowled to Stokes. Uh, you know, away, away, away. They just straightened in and, and nipped back to, to take the off stump, or nipped away in this case to take the off stump. So I think Jimmy Anderson, for that period of time, and you could see it in the eyes of Shreyas Iyer and Shubman Gill, you could see the fear, the concern, the, the pressure. And, and if only there was a way that Jimmy could have continued, I think, for another two or three hours, which is probably asking too much uh, from a 41-year-old body. Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, India might have been three or four down, and you'd shave 100 runs off this, and we are discussing a very different game. Yeah, yeah, certainly, possibly. Well, well, I, I, it seemed to me that with the way Anderson was bowling, and there is there is enough there for the pace bowlers. I and mean, Bumrah and Anderson are absolutely class acts. And Muk- Mukesh Kumar, you know, he's had a very difficult game so far. He might chip him with some wickets uh, tomorrow. I just wonder whether actually England might have been better served having an extra seam bowler in this game. There seems to be more in it for the seam bowlers in the, on this pitch than there was in the last game. I think Hyderabad fine. I mean, that's you know, that spun quite early. But this this pitch is a is is not the same, and it's there is a bit more there for the pace bowlers, especially those sort of disciplined class pace bowlers. I wonder whether if England did have that extra seam bowler, then there might have been a bit more pressure uh, on those on those three and four of India today. Yeah, there could be, but but you know, uh, Simon, I you know the England boys, and you know Ben Stokes is thinking probably a lot better than than certainly I would. I just get the feeling that McCullum and, and uh, Stokes seem to have decided, look, it's a five-test series. We're going to throw all our new pieces of the, of the puzzles, as it were, into the mix right up front. Let's get everyone a long enough bowl or a long enough bat. Let's see how they cope with. And then once we've got the first two tests out of the way, uh, we'll really be able to sit back and assess. Is, is my thinking from the outside uh, more a, a strategic sort of a call? And once they decided they were playing with one seamer and did in Hyderabad and won, uh, with Leach injured, I don't think they had a choice. They had to play uh, the three spinners uh, that they have in the mix and that they had to look at the off-spinner as well, who, by the way, I've I've been very impressed with. And I think uh, as a result of that, they didn't play the second seamer. uh, And they don't have, they have a route to turn his arm over, but they don't have someone who will bowl seam up, uh, which I think may have hurt them. But look, you know, uh, end of the day, 255, uh, I think is a, is a commendable effort uh, on day three when you, as you, when you see that one batter actually got over 100. Yeah. It's not, all, it's not easy to fit them all in as well because you, you no. want your spinning options. Who do you leave out? You know, you, you, Rayan Ahmed, you might see him as a slight luxury, but, a, he's, you know, he's chipped in with wickets and, of course, he's, yes. you know, he's, he's useful. He sort of helps balance the side with the bat as well. So it's, it's not an easy one to, if Robinson, say, uh, was in this England lineup, and you could you could probably say there would be some merit in selecting him uh, for this game on this surface. Who do you leave out? It's not an easy one. 
Hartley picked up wickets in the last game. Shoa Bashir, I mean, do you want Hartley? And Ryan Arbid is your two frontline spinners with a bit of root. No, you probably want a bit more from one of your other spinners. Mm. So that, you know, that's the, that's the debate. I mean, that's why eleven, you know, playing eleven in cricket, which is a great number. Actually, you often want twelve, don't you? You just love that yeah. extra option, and sometimes you like bring on as well. And if you bring on the super sub, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah. they've tried it, and you know, it's it's in the IPL and. Some people like it and, and some people don't. It's funny, isn't it, actually, how cricket is one of the few sports, few team sports in the Thank modern era that doesn't really uh, embrace the idea of a substitute. It's seen as anathema. You know, when the IPL does it, it's like, you know, this is disgraceful. Why, why are they doing it? <laughs> uh, but, you know, football now, there's, there are five substitutes. Rugby union, yeah. I think, what is it, eight? Eight substitutes. Uh, you know, it's, it, things change, but not. I think, and things do change quite a lot with cricket, but not on that issue uh, particularly. So England were able to work their way through India's batting. It was 130 for four at lunch, but Shubman Gill dominated the day, got it to 227 for six at tea, and then the collapse uh, from India, either side of tea. They actually lost their last six wickets for 44. I mean, normally what happens in a situation like this, once you build a partnership and get away when you've got a big first innings lead, the pressure is too much for the for the fielding side, isn't it? And they're easy runs on offer and they find it really hard to, to stem the flow. But actually England managed to you know, not, not get back in the game so much because it's 399 to win, which is a heck of a lot of runs. But what they didn't do is they didn't let India control it to the extent where they could say, right, we're going to take 450, we're going to take 500, and, you know, mm. good luck mm. with that. Um, it, is a, it is quite a fallible India batting lineup, isn't it, this one? It is. I mean, when you think of uh, what uh, Akshar Patel at six and you've got uh, Rajat Patidar, a debutante at five, uh, I think I tweeted somewhere in the first day that I've never looked at an Indian batting lineup which looks as fragile, uh, undercooked, and, and inexperienced as this one. You, you think of India, you've always looked at at least four or five really top solid batters. Uh, and yes, it's, it's because of injury, it's because of absence, whatever it may be. But the reality is, when, when Akshar comes in at six, uh, then that gives you a fairly long tail, which is where I come to the point about throwing away wickets. I mean, India missing Rishabh Pant, for sure, in a big way. K.S. Bharat has not done anything with the bat that one can talk about. Uh, Akshar Patel in the first innings. Uh, Shreyas Iyer in the in the first innings. So you look at a lot of the batters. That's what I meant by throwing it away. Not necessarily in terms of trying to pay attacking shots, but when you've got to a position of strength in the team uh, in the innings, you want your lower middle order and the tail, if it may were to be called that, to actually go ahead and build on that total and take the game away from the opposition. I don't think India have done that. And many a times it's good to just look at innings versus innings scores. If you think of two fifty five. Uh, and England had to get 255, uh, this game would clearly be in England's, England's uh, uh, side of the, of the equation. And that's the point I'm trying to make, that unlike earlier years where Akshar Patel, by the way, Simon, I don't know if you've picked up the stat, is the second highest run-getter in India in test matches since 2011 after Rohit Sharma. What does that tell you? India's yeah. middle order at home has been brittle, uh, mm-hmm. even with Virat Kohli. So that is a, that is a problem. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, as India's bowling has risen, I think the batting has sort of just taken a, a bit of a dip and there's time. Uh, it's time that someone uh, stood up and got accounted for. Yeah, it does, it does look a bit thin and England were able to exploit that today. You just look who's missing from this India team at the moment for one reason or another. Kohli, 
Shami, Rahul, Jadeja, Siraj, Pant. And those are six pretty good cricketers, aren't they? But uh, you, you, in, Indian cricket, generally speaking, is, is strong enough. You think feel at home to compensate to some extent for that. And it looks as if, you know, with a, not a second string side, but with a patched up side, they look as if they're going to be strong enough uh, to win this test match. They've still got a, a very good bowling attack. But, you know, it's a fascinating fourth day ahead and you will be able to watch it on TNT Sports, which is also the exclusive home of the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing Premier League football plus rugby and MotoGP and boxing and UFC and NBA and WWE and more. There's lots of premiership football and rugby on TNT Sport. You can stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on EE, Sky and Virgin Media. A subscription is required, age 18 plus and TNCs apply. After the break, we're going to talk a bit more about the, the state of Indian cricket. Right, so England finished on 67 for one. Ravi Chandran Ashwin got in there with a wicket in his first over. He was knocked around a bit in the first innings of the game. England took him at five and over. He didn't get a wicket. He is closing in on a milestone. He's a class bowler. Who, who, who do you think is going to be the, the, the key for India on the fourth day, Prakash? Tough question. Uh, you know, honestly, every one of these four bowlers is capable uh, I would imagine Bumrah will have a say. Uh, I just think the way things have gone. And remember, Wyzag, uh, late afternoon uh, with a little bit of the sea breeze, Bumrah knows how to how to make things happen there. Uh, Ashwin, you can never write him off, particularly having picked up a wicket, the first his first wicket in a test match. Now, when has that happened before? That a whole innings has gone by without Ashwin taking a wicket. He's picked up one. Uh, Kuldeep, I think, because he's bowling quicker now, uh, has a greater chance with the pitch just slowing down uh, off the pitch kuldeep might have have something to something to be able to to make an impact but i would imagine bumrah and ashwin still to have the biggest impact mukesh kumar um he's not had a great test match no. so how has he got himself into the frame give us a perspective from india i mean there's siraj obviously there's no shami at the moment how has mukesh got himself into this test match team for this game well, Mukesh went on the on the Indian tour to the West Indies and did reasonably well. He's been one of those sort of yeoman uh, workers, if you will, in the Ranji Trophy circuit, plays for Bengal. Uh, he's gone out and get, got wickets uh, in, in the East Zone as well. Uh, very good average. Is known more to be a seam bowler than, than anything else. He's not expressed by any stretch, uh, but has, uh, in this game, looked completely uh, out of league, if I may say so. He's just pitched far too up. He's had uh, a lot of runs taken off him. And and what is the stat? I mean, I think Stokes said this before the first test match. In four test matches against Australia, Siraj, as the second or third seamer, bowled, I think, a total of 30 overs. So in that sense, I think England had already uh, read the, the script with just one seamer playing in, in both tests. And India may well be advised to think about it on those lines because I think Washington Sundar, uh, who was in the mix for this game, might have actually been a better bet. He's very comfortable with the new ball. And uh, poor Mukesh, I mean, he's been taken for runs. Duckett particularly has gotten stuck into him in both games, both innings rather. And Mukesh, while he's well-deserved India cap, I think Shami gets back and the whole equation changes dramatically. Though when he'll be back, no one knows at the moment. Yeah, he feels like quite a big miss uh, for India, uh, Mohammed 
Shami. I mean, you, you you feel on a on a fourth, fifth day pitch, whatever depends where we where we end up. Probably be four days that someone like Mukesh, who bowls very cl- he bowls really close to the stumps, actually feel some of those low balls that we're seeing in this game. You know, there may mm. be an LBW or a bold in the match for him. So you know, I wouldn't sort of completely discount him on the fourth day. There's actually Patel as well. But so what you're saying is actually play four frontline spinners because Washington Sunar can bowl and can bat and, and play Boomer and sort of basically do what England are doing. Yes, if you still don't have these batters available. Uh, obviously, if, if Virat and Rahul both are in, then you're probably comfortable with, with not having to do all of this. But certainly, having a second quick bowler in your, uh, in your armory or in your playing 11 when you're going to be bowling somewhere between five and eight overs for him in a game... Uh, you need to think that through with a weak batting lineup. Where are we with uh, Rohit Sharma's uh, captaincy? I mean, lost lost the first test is a game that you know India really should have won, and they probably would have won if Achyub Patel had, had taken that catch at backward point off Ollie Pope uh, when he'd made 110. They were expected to win the World Cup. I mean, they played magnificently in the group <laughs> stage, the semi-final, got to the final. Uh, lost it, you know, it can happen. One-off day, great day for Australia. But he lost the World Cup final at home, lost the first test match here, lost a test match in South Africa. South Africa. Uh, he, you know, he is a veteran now. Where, where are we with him in terms of his longevity, his captaincy? It's interesting, isn't it? There's been fair fair number of conversations uh, in, in quiet voices, if I may say, because you don't discuss Indian captaincy, as you know, well, too publicly in India. But the reality, I think, is Rohit's body language isn't seeming right. Uh, I suspect he's just put on a little bit of weight as well after the World Cup, just looks a little bit slower on, on his feet. Uh, his, his facial expressions, the way he's batting, it doesn't look like the free-flowing Rohit Sharma. And I understand his test match cricket is captaincy. Particularly when it comes to leadership and captaincy, uh, in the first test match, in the second innings, I just didn't see Rohit making things happen. I mean, it's almost like saying, yeah, we've been here before. We know what to do. The bowlers will bowl. England will get out and we'll win the game. Uh, not, not what you expect from an Indian captain. Even here, and we'll have to wait and see how things go tomorrow, if he lets the game drift, uh, you know, we haven't seen Stokes magic really yet. We haven't seen Root score big runs. We haven't seen Johnny Bairstow. Uh, every one of them is due for a big one. And if one of them gets going, and particularly if it's Stokes, I mean, shades of Headingley, who knows? I have no idea. But he has got to be proactive. He's got to make his uh, fielders and his teammates believe in him. I I sometimes wonder if, in comparison to Virat Kohli's sometimes over-the-top bluster, Rohit Sharma and Rahul Dravid are just a... Uh, a too gentlemanly a team, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but just, you know, subdued, understated, etc. And so Rohit will be thinking about his captaincy. He's already lost his Mumbai Indians captaincy, as we all know, but that's T20. Uh, and I think Rohit Sharma will be getting to the stage where people like him and Virat and several others may well be thinking about Australia later in the year as maybe their swan song overseas. Who knows? So he's got to, he's got everything to play for to be able to make this uh, test match and indeed the series his own. He's capable. I only hope he's not got something going on that's taking his focus away. But he does look a little bit off his game. Hmm. So if, if he were to lose this series, say he were to lose the series and India were to make a change, who would be next in line, do you, do you think? Who, who's, <laughs> who's, the next, who's the next captain? That'll be a tough one. That'll be a real tough one because uh, 
Ashwin's not going to get it. He's he's uh, not the right age. I think uh, will will India ever? And I hope this is purely a hypothetical discussion, and it never comes to that. But who else will will India pick on? I mean, you know, Shubman Gill is often being talked about as a as a future captain. He's already captain of the Gujarat Titans for the for the IPL. Not that it should have a bearing. Uh, there, KL Rahul is is certainly someone who's led India. Uh, and seems to be the most mature of the lot of players that that India have at the moment, and so it may well have to be a toss-up between those two. But I sincerely hope it doesn't come to that for Indian cricket's sake at the moment. Yeah, let's let's get an Indian perspective on England's spinners uh, in this series so far. You, you know, you won't have seen much of them. Well, we haven't seen much of them basically. Yes. I'm sure Bashir has <laughs> hardly played. Tom Hartley's playing you know, a reasonable amount uh, for Lancashire, but you know, not in the spotlight, but a couple of one-day internationals at the back end of our uh, season. Uh, Rehan Ahmed, we saw in Pakistan, uh, take a fiver. And Jack Leach, we've seen a lot of, but he's not playing in this test. I mean, what, what have you thought about England's spinners? Yeah, I, I, I sort of think I- Indian batsmen, they, they come up against these England spinners, this attack, and think, well, surely they see... They see this type of bowling week in, week out. But of course, you made you made the point that you know they're not playing a lot of domestic cricket, so they're not perhaps not necessarily right. seeing them week in, week out. No, they're not. And and look, I mean, in a lighter vein, uh, India has been specially kind to overseas visiting spinners, particularly on their first tours. I mean, you could reel off names from Kretsa, Jason Kretsa in Nagpur to Kuneman to uh, O'Keefe when the Australians came in 2012. Uh, and, and every single time a new untested debutant or near debutant turns up, uh, India just roll out the red carpet. I mean, yes, uh, it, it has taken, on a more serious level, I do believe a lot of this credit has to go to Ben Stokes and to uh, ben, Brendan McCullum because I think what they've done remarkably well is somehow been able to make these young lads believe that not only do they belong where they are, they have to worry about absolutely nothing. Just go out, enjoy yourself, bowl the best you can and let everything else take care of itself and we'll manage whatever else we have to manage. And this is classic motivation theory. This is classic black cap territory. This is classic special forces territory. Give the players, give the members of the squad the confidence to go out there and tell them we're always there with you, irrespective of what happens. And I think that has come through in the way uh, we saw Hartley bowl in the second innings, the way we saw Rehan Ahmed continuing. A lot of his wickets have come off. Not necessarily great balls, but he's persisted. And I think uh, Shoaib uh, Bashir, uh, very impressive. He's, he's sort of almost in a little bit of that uh, Saklen Mushtaq type of mould in my mind. He's tall, gets high high action, uh, gives the ball a nice right uh, rip. And I think it's it's wonderful to see. I just hope that these spinners, unlike the Kretzers, Kunemans and, and O'Keefe's, do continue to play test cricket for their countries because we haven't heard too much about those three after they went back from India. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? You're not going to use spin that much in English conditions. England do have a tour of Pakistan uh, coming up in sort of October-ish and then they're off to, to New Zealand. So, you know, they will use the spinners there. But it is, I suppose, very much horses for courses. And they have had an opportunity in this series. There's no doubt about that because England really have invested uh, so much in them. OK, let's draw this to a close uh, then, Prakash. Let's have a look at the fourth day, which you can see exclusively on TNT Sports. What sort of percentage chance do you give England 
of taking down 399 in the fourth innings of this test match. Before I answer that with a percentage, if England do do this, I think the question will be, will England win 5-0 or 4-1? It'll be that sort of a defeat. It will crush India, uh, you know, just mentally, just destroy them. Now to your question of percentage, knowing the uncertainties of cricket, I'm going to say 40%, maybe 38%. 38 to 40%. And I'll tell you why I say that. If England are able to get with one more wicket down, preferably that of Rehan Ahmed than no one else, to lunch, it's very clear that they, in 30 overs, are going to get about 120, 130 minimum, if not more. You add that to the 60-odd, they're at 210. They're halfway there, more than halfway there, with eight wickets standing, and the pressure starts to turn. And we've seen that Indian players, bowlers included, uh, are susceptible to that kind of pressure at home, where the big crowds then turn almost as if they, they put under a, a lot more pressure than the pressure they would feed off or the, or the, uh, the energy they'd feed off becomes on to them. So if India want to win this game, they've got to knock over three, at least three more wickets, if not four, before lunch. If England can defend those wickets, they'll get the runs, that's a given. And then those last two sessions tomorrow would be absolutely marvellous watching, even though I would be chewing whatever left for my nails. <laughs> Well, I think you'd far, far, far rather be in India's position than England's position. I think that the feeling is that because England have produced some seeming miracles in in last couple of years, you wouldn't write them off. But I mean, I don't know. It feels like a sort of ten percent, ten fifteen percent shot at this stage uh, from this uh, view, just just because of the the weight of history, degree of difficulty. But England are still in this game. They certainly are just. just. Just one quick thing. You know, the wicket is not a typical fourth-day India wicket. And I think that is one factor that England will, will believe in. Yes, the odd one's going to keep low. That's, all that stuff's going to happen. And if it continues to play, it is, play the way it is, and with England going for their strokes, the runs will come. If England don't lose too many, this game is on. Yeah, well, we shall see. Uh, yeah, it, re- it really is a, a day not to miss it tomorrow on uh, TNT Sports. I suppose India look at it like this. They, they are nine balls from victory. England are about 500, 550 balls uh, from victory. So, yeah, well, it's been another uh, riveting uh, test match. It's been a great series so far. Let's hope it continues. Prakash, uh, thanks very much uh, for your time. Enjoy the fourth day. I hope those fingernails manage to, manage to survive. And we'll be back tomorrow to wrap it all up and uh, give our analysis on what has happened on the fourth and probably, probably final day of this second test match. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 